3: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
4: It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, December 9th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. Presented by the Village of Bedford Park, I'm Rob Hart. A look at why those AI-generated portraits across social media platforms, they're all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. While they do have... Artists on edge. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But Right now, consumer sentiment, PPI inflation, and Fed policy highlight today's economic data. Joining us to discuss this is David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, thanks for joining us today. The PPI comes in a touch hotter than expected. So if you're the Fed, how do you interpret these results?
5: Well, it's actually good news in the sense that we're down from the peak We hit 11.3% year-over-year on producer prices in June of this year. But in every successive month, we've seen a slowing in the rate of increase in prices, now down to that 7.4% number for November. Um, I think the Fed's going to be happy with that. The Fed really has three decisions at next week's meeting. How fast do they go? Up in fighting inflation on rates, how far and how long? I think how fast means slower in December, up a half a percentage point after four consecutive months of three quarters of a percentage point increase. How far? My guess would be somewhere in the 5% range, maybe a, a range of, say, five, five and a half. And they will hold that through all of next year, Uh, the Fed simply cannot quit until the job is done. Their credibility hinges on that.
4: Looking under the hood of this particular report, there are a lot of uh, interesting sectors that were driving this particular increase, uh, starting with a surge in wholesale vegetable prices by 38 percent, and then also an 11 percent gain in the amount paid for financial services. So, David, uh, uh, the next time I have a financial advisor on and he's talking about inflation, should I say, physician, heal thyself? Exactly.
5: Summed up perfectly. Um, The point is inflation is spreading. And so while the rate of increase in prices is coming down from the peak, inflation is still way too high, just as you suggest. And that means the Fed has to keep at it. Paul Volcker, the former Fed chairman's motto was don't quit until that job is done. I think the Fed finally has figured out that's what it has to be. So if the Fed stays high longer, I would not be surprised.
4: On the other hand, consumers are feeling more confident about the state of the economy. Does that, uh, you talked about, uh, you know, don't quit until the job is done, but does the uh, consumer sentiment uh, play a role in their decision making?
5: Absolutely. Consumers are 70% of spending. They're critical to the picture, and so therefore, uh, the Fed has to watch that consumer spending number very closely.
4: David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, you see them all over social media, the portraits created by artificial intelligence. All the rage on social media platforms. We'll have the details and a couple of uh, caution signals for you.
3: Cashing in with
4: conversation,
3: the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
4: There's mixed reaction to Lenza, the AI-generated portraits people are using to create magic avatars of themselves on social media. Here to bring this into focus is Jennifer Jolly, USA Today Tech Life columnist, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. I see them everywhere now. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're on TikTok. They're on MySpace. They're on Friendster. They're everywhere. And I'm, (laughs) I'm trying to...
0: Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say MySpace? Uh, what?
4: Yes, they're MySpace, Friendster, AOL, CompuServe, Prodigy. I mean, they're they're that. Uh, the, the...
0: I'm a little more concerned about that than I am
4: about <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm trying to yeah. come up with what these particular images yeah. look like for the uninitiated. And I'm trying, and, and the image that comes into my head is... A trapper keeper painting of a unicorn combined with an R. Crumb comic because it's a very oh bizarre, God, very unique representation of somebody.
0: Look, who doesn't want to picture themselves as a gorgeously artist rendered version of a superhero or a character out of Dungeons and Dragons? Or you know, or, 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 or you know, what's funny is is one of these AI generators will. Position you in a cat cafe or a dog cafe, which is a little <laughs> a way to, to uh, you know, divergent from, you know, making you a gorgeous superstar of your own fantasy uh, photo shoot. And that's really what this is. It's taking all kinds of biometric data from your face, not so much your body, and that's a whole other topic, but your face. And it's creating artist renderings of these, from famous Renaissance artists to uh, the latest um, fantasy fiction. So that's really what it is.
4: Now, there there are two pitfalls here. The first one is, uh, once again, uh, we are handing over our biometric data to mm-hmm. somebody uh, to use that information somewhere, somehow. And this is always the warning, when these avatar Applications come out, whether it's the uh, the application that makes you older or makes you a Simpsons right. character or whatever. Uh, there's the concern about that, but artists are saying our work is showing up and we're not getting compensated for it.
0: Yeah, and and the creator, Lenza, Lightrix, Prisma Labs, the creators are saying we haven't stolen anyone's artwork. Art is you know borrowed from artist to artist. You find certain. Uh, things that you like about, you know, certain features and attributes that you like about one artist and another artist uses a little bit of that, and they call it kind of the natural evolution of artistry and artwork. Some artists are saying, hey, this is giving us a new way to feature our work and and, um, our craft and our process. But the big concern behind any time you are handing over your biometric data, so your specific facial features, you know, the footprint of your facial features basically, or not footprint, the fingerprint of your facial features, that's biometric data. You always have to be aware when your biometric data is being used for any purpose, it's sensitive data. And we should be extra cautious with how that data is being used. So that's, The biggest concern. Plus, anytime you share photos, you have all kinds of other data on there. You have date and time stamps. You often have uh, location stamps. Um, So you just want to be careful about that. You want to be careful about what you're uploading and handing over to any app any company anytime
4: and and Lens's uh reasoning for why uh, we're not actually stealing art doesn't actually uh hold up now i'm not a media lawyer by any stretch of the imagination yeah. but it does remind me of Krusty the clown and the Simpsons saying if this is anybody but steve allen you're stealing my bit
0: you know that's exactly right <laughs> i think that's true and I'm sure that, you know, the the art, many of the artists who are saying this isn't right, they don't have the deep pockets that the tech world has. So, so you know, we're not going to see those lawsuits most likely. Um, and Stable Diffusion, that's the open source model that Lensa uses. Uh, it's millions and millions of algorithms working, you know, in real time simultaneously. And the people who trained that model, basically, this is Lenzo's excuse, you know, they took hundreds of millions of photos from the web, crawled the web, got all those images, showed the model those images together with text. And then they're saying that the model is like a big brain that can hallucinate those new images based on all that data. I mean, Rob, that is technology. I mean, that is how we've solved some of the biggest problems that we've tried to solve with technology. This problem of, you know, new social content, new entertainment for people is one of those societal things that we have to figure out, we have to talk about. It's one of many that are coming as we dig deeper and deeper into artificial intelligence and all of that.
4: Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, be aware that some holiday gifts could have hidden extra costs for whoever receives them. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM
3: Noon Business Hour continues.
4: Some holiday gifts could unexpectedly wind up costing the recipients money. We welcome in Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business writer. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, Jennifer. Jennifer, I mean, I think everybody hey, has—we we all have a little bit of uh, Clark Griswold in all of us. We want to <laughs> uh, have the big, dramatic surprise gift that makes everybody gasp. But uh, the larger you go uh, up the uh, the price scale and up the uh, extravagant scale, it also costs the recipients quite a bit of money down the road, too.
1: It certainly can. It certainly can. And one of those, one of those, which is a sweet gift to give to someone who may really want it is a pet. You give somebody a cute little puppy or a kitten or a bird or whatever for Christmas and that that baby's going to end up costing them some money. They're going to have to feed it. They're going to have to train it. They're going to have to take it, you know, if they're going on vacation, have somebody take care of it. Then they, you know, they have to prepare for things like, you know, pet problems, like so pet are they going to buy pet insurance? Are they going to, you know, you know, or are they just going to kind of wing it with the vet bills? So that's one of the, one of the gifts that I think, you know, I've never, I once got a pet as a gift and it, it's hard to say no to, but you know, it's, it's, it was a long time that I had to for that sweet little puppy. Um, but another, another one of them too is, um, which we were talking about as a, as a spa package or like a, you know, a day of luxury kind of thing. If, even just a massage or a mani-pedi can, be, can cost the recipient money, too, just in tipping alone. My sister-in-law, God love her, always includes the tip when she gives a mani-pedi, but most people don't do that. They'll just give you the certificate and not have the tip included.
4: And then uh, another uh, big ticket item, and I say this especially since we are uh, in the middle of uh, both uh, Honda days and the Lexus December to remember, and that is uh, a car.
1: Right, (laughs) a car. I have actually had people who have received cars as gifts, but it's from their spouse. So that was kind of, you know, well, we know you got car insurance, you got gas, you got maintenance, you have all those things that go into keeping it, uh, you know, running. And, but if you get it from your spouse, he or she already knows that those costs are going to be coming. But should somebody, or even if you win a car on a, on a, you know, game show or something, that's still going to end up costing you money down the, down the long run, not to mention the taxes involved with it. But there's a lot of, um, thing. I have, a, I have a no appliance rule at for gift. Like, you, I, I don't want any kind of appliance or any, anything for the ho- house. And it's mainly, you know, unless, of course, I ask for it, but it's mainly because if someone or or the kids, say tip in and buy me like a Cuisinart or something like that, then I'm going to feel obligated to make a meal using it and to give it to them. So that's a, you know, that's a gift that's a gift that's going to cost me too. So um, not not quite like a pet or a car would or even a spa package.
4: Well, you mentioned uh, get, receiving a car as a gift or as a prize. A uh, friend of mine was actually in the audience for Oprah the day she gave away <gasps> the Pontiac.
1: You get a car, you get a car, yeah, you get she, a car.
4: She, she was one of the people who got a car and uh, paid the taxes on it, sold it immediately and used it as a down payment on a condo so uh, that really oh, was wow. the uh, the gift that kept on giving jennifer <laughs> yeah, waters sh- <laughs> chicago-based business writer thanks for joining us Thank this afternoon left. still ahead on this entrepreneur friday we'll look at a chicago west loop restaurants plan to
2: expand to the bahamas
1: call from mom answer it call silenced
2: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
4: Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Following the prisoner swap that brought WNBA basketball star Brittany Griner back to the U.S., Russia's president says more prisoner exchanges are possible. Coffee lovers getting some good news. In our Entrepreneur Friday segment, we'll look at some tropical expansion plans for a West Loop restaurant, plus an auto industry expert has some advice on what to do if your car gets recovered called. Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 75 points. The Nasdaq down 1. The S&P 500 is down 3. 36 degrees right now in Chicago going up to 40. It's 12.31. Topping our news at the half hour, Russian President Vladimir Putin says more U.S.-Russian prisoner exchanges are possible if Moscow and Washington find a compromise. Asked
6: whether other prisoners could be swapped. Russia's president said everything is possible, noting that compromises have been found that cleared the way for the Griner exchange. Putin added, we aren't refusing to continue this work in the future, making his first comments about the closely watched trade. Despite negotiating for Griner's release the most high-profile American jailed abroad, the US has failed to win freedom for another American, Paul Whelan, I'm Charles DeLedesma.
4: Some great news for coffee lovers today. CBS News correspondent Jim Chrisulo with the details. There
6: will be a global coffee
7: supply surplus the next couple of years, thanks to improved coffee production in Brazil. The world's coffee supply has been tight the past couple of years, and prices per cup have increased
6: significantly.
4: Demand for coffee stays relatively the same, but the manner in which consumers are getting it has never seen such rapid change. Staying on top of demand and maintaining customer loyalty will be a key challenge for coffee sellers to stay on the path to profitability. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are mixed. Joining us to take a look at what's moving Wall Street is Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us once again today. It sounds like the markets are having a hard time interpreting today's producer price index report. 100%.
7: 100%. And, you know, I think the markets are having an economists and the Federal Reserve and everybody and investors are having a hard time um, interpreting all the cross currents uh, in, in the markets, you know, with producer price in, indexes being slightly higher, but year over year a little better. Long term interest rates have come down quite a bit. Um, there's some good movement and a couple stocks here. Netflix uh, continuing its big rebound. But, you know, we've kind of, after a great November, kind of a little bit of a holiday blues I'd mentioned uh, before. So kind of a quiet day, hard to hold on to gains. We'd like to see something materialize more solidly, but everything's kind of on hold until the Federal uh Reserve's final meeting next week.
4: And uh, since uh, we're talking about the holidays, uh, to quote uh, either Louis Armstrong or Buster Poindexter, is that you, Santa Claus? Uh, it, is the Santa Claus rally real and uh, how does it manifest itself at the end of the year? Well, it. I, I mean, if you look at the the, statistically, yes, but,
7: you know, it could always fool everybody. Remember uh, uh, 2018, we had a bear market right at the end of the year, just got punished right into December 31st. And, you know, there's risks here this year. I, I mean, honestly, because interest rates have risen, companies are incorporating these higher interest rates into their financials. I think the outlook for both stock and bond investments is good, but this year has been so difficult, anything can happen. And, you know, the final week of the year, we could have some Fed speakers and the market has been so on a a trigger with any you know, James Bullard has been one of the most hawkish Fed speakers. You know, these guys come out and say interest rates have to be higher for longer, and the the market just gets vexed, especially in, in the growth growth. So we don't know if the Santa Claus rally will materialize. However, technically, the market holding here. If you look at the S and P 500, if we get and can maintain 4,000 through the beginning of next week, and we get through this Federal Reserve meeting, I think we could be in a decent position to get to 4100 and maybe a little higher by the end of the year
4: how many real market movers will exist uh, after the fed meets next week between now and uh, because that now you're in holiday season now you're getting into let's circle back after january first time and a lot of just business for the year is done
7: it really is you know right now everyone's cleaning up accounts tax loss you know some growth stock that you bought was 300 you bought 100 and went down to 50, you know, you're selling it a little bit here and there, optimizing portfolios, doing required minimum distributions, at least in in our business of, you know, handling uh, investment advisory accounts. And so things are going to sort of coast into the the end of the year. But, you know, this Fed meeting next week is critical because theoretically, they're going to raise interest rates 50 basis points, which is really good. It's a ratchet down. But what's that guidance? Uh, The Powell News Conference always moves the market. So there's a lot, unfortunately, is going to be packed in. We'd love to see things coast into the end of the year, but uh, that may not be the case.
4: And then when we get to 23, and maybe I'm going to keep a running total of uh, how many times I asked this question, but everybody seems to have their prediction that the recession is going to finally arrive sometime in 2023. And uh, one could make the argument, just based on those two uh, quarters of negative growth this year, that maybe it's already happened, it's already here, and trying to figure out uh, if that recession is is coming, if it has arrived, and if we're truly in it, is going to be the question that defines 2023.
7: I think so. And now you've seen with the yield curve, uh, you know, that long-term bond rates have fallen and sort of a belief that the economy is going to be substantially softer in 2023 and 2024. And in fact, the Federal Reserve Economist and the Federal Reserve Minutes Uh, who are really the authorities on this, uh, said that the economy will be below its um, long-term trend over those two years. Now, how much of that is priced in? And then, on contrary, you know, you're getting really good higher interest rates for the first time in 15 years. So that's incredibly positive. But, you know, I think investors are just going to really have to be patient, knowing that, one, recession is priced in, but, two, realize... The big investing long term is there's always a recession around the corner. So unless you're a short term trader and, you know, most listeners out there invest for the long term, you're always going to be thinking about those storm clouds on the horizon and you just kind of have to invest in it. Certainly um, with the Nasdaq down over 20 percent this year, a lot of the worst case scenarios for many growth stocks are already priced in.
4: Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Up next on this Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago restaurant owner is expanding his iconic operation to a tropical locale.
3: An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
4: In the spotlight on this Entrepreneur Friday is the restaurant Carnival in the West Loop and its planned to expand to the Bahamas. We welcome Billy Marovitz, owner of Carnival at 702 West Fulton Market in Chicago. 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 Billy, thanks for joining us today. And I like to say uh, Carnival is uh, almost impossible to miss because it's perched on top of the Kennedy Expressway. And uh, with that color scheme outside, you can probably see it from space. Well,
8: we love it. We're we're making changes all the time. As a matter of fact, we're completely redoing our bar area. It's going to be the most colorful bar in Chicago. Be fantastic. And everybody will be able to see it uh, on January seventeenth when we open the new bar it's it's fantastic it's beautiful it 's the entrance to a, a magnificent restaurant
4: is this uh, simply a case of being in the right place at the right time and that the uh, West Loop Renaissance kind of flourished around you?
8: I think that's exactly right rob we've been there for eighteen years and we're we're sort of the gateway to the Fulton Market district when we first went there. 18 years ago, there was nothing around us. There was no high-rises, no buildings. We were pioneers. And uh, slowly but surely, things have been uh, building around us. And now that area, uh, Fulton Market District, is one of the hottest real estate areas, going from $100 a square foot to $1,000 a square foot and we are the entrance to uh, to Fulton Market District.
4: Yeah, you couldn't probably couldn't have imagined in uh, 2004 and 2005 when uh, the biggest celebrity uh, on your block was Oprah that uh, one day it would be the home to Google and McDonald's and and corporate headquarters that are just uh, beating down the door to locate there.
8: Yeah, it's just fantastic uh and uh, it's it's a fun place to be. It's a great place to dine, uh, go to a nightclub, just share drinks with a friend. Uh, do some retail shopping, and there's a lot of high rises around there, so people are living
4: in the neighborhood. Now, this uh, this new bar that you're talking about is this the speakeasy that's opening up? Well, that's the second thing. the the, the new bar that we're we're unveiling,
8: newly decorated, I should say, newly decorated bar which will uh, will start on the 2nd of, of January, and it will be done for people to see on the 17th of January. That's our existing cocktail lounge, and we're completely changing the decor. But the, the speakeasy that you're talking about is called the Alley. In the very back of the restaurant, you have to come in through a, a secret black door, take an, a little escalator, and it's a very intimate uh, venue. holds 80 people for all kinds of music. Uh, On Wednesday nights, we've got a show coming up on the 21st of January with Michael Lyric playing uh, Sinatra and Carlos Jobim. Uh, you make reservations calling CarnivalChicago.com, and it's been very successful having all kind of music. In a, and again, a very intimate venue. Chicago used to have those kind of venues, but they sort of disappeared, a place that you could go and have a drink with somebody and actually
4: look them in the eye and talk and not be blasted out by some kind of crazy music. And then uh, you're also expanding to the Bahamas. And and and, and why the Bahamas, Billy? Uh, you know, Carnival, is it just because it's uh, that much closer to Brazil?
8: Well, it actually just happened. Uh, a friend of mine put me in touch with somebody who was looking, building a brand-new marina in, in the Bahamas and was looking for a restaurant to sort of be the anchor uh, surrounded by this brand-new marina with the biggest boats in the Caribbean. I flew down there, met with them. The location is great. I know exactly where it is because it's right across from a, a big casino resort called the Atlantis, right across the street. And so we're, we're doing a 7,000-square-foot indoor restaurant, 9,000-square-foot outdoor restaurant, uh, all in one area, surrounded by this big marina. And we're hoping to open the fourth quarter of 2023. I just came back from there. I just landed about a half an hour ago. It's, it's going to be absolutely magnificent.
4: You stepped exactly. off the plane. You saw the sleet and snow and said, that's it. Back to Nassau. Exactly. <laughs> and,
8: and, and by the way, and by the way, Rob, on my way home, I stopped in Miami, and believe it or not, I found one of the great locations in the epicenter of the hottest uh, 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 area in the country, in, um, in Miami. And I uh, opened a carnival in Miami as well, in, uh, in the epicenter of this really burgeoning, burgeoning city and entertainment restaurant venue. So things so we've are... got two things going for us besides besides what's going on at Carnival. And by the way, for those of your um, listeners who are looking for entertainment on New Year's Eve, we got three great Copa Carnival shows. It's an incredible review uh, cabaret style show. Three shows: four o'clock, six thirty, and nine thirty. Again, they can call Chicago dot com for to see the show. Have a great dinner. Um, At at midnight, we've got a balloon drop and a a champagne pour for everybody, compliments of us. So we've got a lot going on at the restaurant, uh, and we hope everybody will come and just enjoy themselves. That's the point. When you walk in the restaurant, we want people to be entertained from the moment they walk in to the moment they walk out. It's a very colorful experience, but you know, Rob, no matter how good the ambiance is, unless the food is great, it's not special. And so we got great food, great service, and a great ambience. And I'm happy to report things are going great at the restaurant. And expanding to the Bahamas and Miami is uh, is near term.
4: Billy Marovitz, owner of Carnival in the West Loop. Conversation that's on the money. You're
3: listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
4: Auto recalls have been on the rise in recent years. Joining us with advice on what to do if your car gets a recall notice is Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. First off, what's behind this uh, rise in recalls?
9: Well, well, there are a couple of things uh, behind what's happening. We'll find out at the end of the year, whether this has been an extraordinarily big year for recall, but it certainly seems like it has. One is the fact that the government is pushing car makers, you know, hit the trigger on a recall right away. The other is vehicles are so complex, many of the recalls are software related. In fact, a lot of these Tesla recalls we've seen are nothing more than an over-the-air update. So it's those two things
4: and is it uh, evenly distributed across the uh, entire automotive industry or as you said is it is it tesla and other you know certain automakers
9: well well certainly every year somebody is going to have more recalls than others i don't have the numbers in front of me but i believe tesla last i heard was number 2 in terms of recalls Ford was number one. Ford has been talking about having issues with with warranty problems, things of that nature. So that's not surprising. That's something they're working on. And again, Tesla, in their case, they are now oversensitive about recalls because they were were, were kind of singled out for for dragging their feet so now if there is any issue they announce a recall and and in most cases it's a software update that people don't even have to take into the dealership
4: and in 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 when you do get a recall notice uh, you should probably address it sooner rather than later and uh, you have new information about uh, an incident involving a Takeda airbag
9: right and this all ties together is uh, that the Government and car makers have trouble getting people to get their vehicles fixed, and it's important to have that done, and if it's an urgent problem, have it done right away. There are still millions of vehicles on the road with faulty Takata airbags, and another one ruptured in recent days. The government just announced that within the past half hour or so. It was a 2002 Honda Accord. Uh, the side airbag ruptured and, and killed the driver. Uh, Again, these are vehicles that can be fixed easily, but it's kind of hard to find the owner of a vehicle that is that old because it's changed hands so many times. And car makers also tell me they keep reaching out to owners. They can't force people to take them in, but a lot of times people drag their feet and don't get that
4: done. Is there a kind of a central clearinghouse where you can go to type in your VIN and uh, get the list of uh, recalls affecting that particular model? Uh,
9: Yeah, the government, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Google that. They have our database, and that's all you have to do is type in your VIN, and you'll find out if there's any open recall on your vehicle.
4: Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have a replay podcast available shortly at WBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.